Welcome to this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm Rob Walling. Every week on this show, we dive deep into topics that relate to building ambitious startups. These are not startups that require us to work 90-hour weeks or sacrifice our life, our relationships, our health in order to build a great company and a business that can change our lives and change the lives of those around us. We focus on bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped startups, those that are highly capital efficient but still want to be ambitious, still want to build interesting things, and we want to have an impact on the world. This week, I have a really interesting conversation with John Howard of Slingshot, and he actually connected with me through MicroConf Connect. That is our Slack channel, has more than 1,600 founders and aspiring founders. It's microconfconnect.com. We connected there, and he was asking me some pricing questions, and I said, look, I, you know, I don't do consulting, but I'd be happy to have a conversation with you if we can record it, and if it's good we'll put it out as a podcast episode. So that's what this conversation is. It's John explaining how his business works. And it's not just a straight ahead SaaS. There's some SaaS-ish elements, but he's dealing with physical products as well. And so you'll hear me just try to dive in and kind of get my head around his business and then try to explore options for him. He was specifically wondering if he was missing anything on the pricing front. And so we looked at his pricing and kind of tried to analyze it, look at it from different angles and figure out what other type of options he has. But before we dive into that conversation, I got a couple emails with feedback on episode 525, which is where I read on air an email that I had sent about 15 years ago around the time that I acquired .NET Invoice, and it was to a friend of mine who I was asking to be a co-founder. And I got a couple pieces of feedback on that episode. The first was from Ralph. He says, I really enjoyed the episode where you read your old email. I've listened to 124 episodes of Startups for the Rest of Us continuously back to 415, and I've cherry-picked some older ones. So I'd already heard about your purchase of .NET Invoice, how you'd made mistakes, etc. However, hearing it again from the viewpoint of the ghost of startups past, rather than you looking back from today, brought home the distance you've covered in that time and that others could do the same. I particularly liked your analysis of why you were seeking a co-founder and why the friend you approached would have been wrong. Other piece of feedback comes from Daniel and he said, I liked the episode this week, but I'm in the group that would completely disagree with you about a business plan. And to cut in here, in the episode, I talked about how my friend suggested we should create a business plan and that wasn't something that I wanted to do and I didn't think it needed to be done for this little product. So back to Daniel's email. He said, Obviously, you caveated that point heavily and said that they're good for some people and not others. However, I challenge you to take that further. Just an idea, but why don't you debate that with one of your regular guests? I'm sure one of them would take the opposite side. It could be of use for anyone starting out to hear both sides of the discussion. Best wishes and happy holidays. Thanks for the suggestion, Daniel. I may take you up on that. And in fact, if you have been a guest on Startups for the Rest of Us and would like to come back on and discuss business plans with me, I'd be happy to do it. I think that the stance that I take is I believe in having a marketing plan and I believe in having a budget. And a marketing plan can literally be a one-page Google Doc with bullets in it or a Notion Doc. And the budget is usually just a spreadsheet that gives me some idea of how I'm not going to run over. That is my quote-unquote business plan. The business plans that I was seeing you create with the software just seemed like a lot of extra headache and work and guessing. And so I think that's maybe we're using different words for it or or maybe, you know, Daniel or others feel like even for a product that's doing $500 a month or you think is going to make a thousand a month that you should actually create, a, you know, a full on business plan for it. And I think I'm just more of a maybe a lean thinker than that. Or maybe I, uh, I also don't love a lot of process and creating a lot of, of documents that I think don't have a lot of value to me. But that is my style. And I do tend to keep stuff in my head until it needs to come out, you know, and I might write a quick document that is describing the direction we're headed. But I know that other folks want more detail. And I, I do think it's kind of an interesting way to think about it that 
I don't think it's one size fits all. So anyways, thanks for the feedback, guys. Really appreciate it. And now let's dive into my pricing deep dive with John Howard of Slingshot. John Howard, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm pretty excited to dig into pricing for Slingshot. You uh, hit me up, hit me up in MicroConf Connect. If folks aren't in there, we have uh, more than 1,600 founders and aspiring founders now in a Slack group. So microconfconnect.com. And you DM'd me and you said, hey, I uh, heard you give some some pricing advice on a, on a recent podcast. You want to chat? And I was like, well, you know, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. But if you're interested in perhaps coming on the podcast, we can have a, a pretty good conversation about it. So I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Uh, that's so awesome. I appreciate it. So if folks want to check out what you're working on, it's useslingshot.com. And your H1 is your easiest swag campaign ever. Quality branded swag, a custom merchandise store for employees and fans and worldwide fulfillment. And where you stand now, you're the only employee, you're the single founder. And you do have, you told me, many contractors who are doing design or development or fulfillment or just filling in all the gaps, you know, that you can't handle on a day-to-day basis as a founder. Do you want to give folks an idea of where the business stands, whether you, you know, are willing to, to share revenue or just some type of size to give an idea of the stage. You launched it, it is December of 2020 and you launched it in January. So it's about a year old, but I'm guessing you had worked on it for quite a bit before then. Don't mind that at all. Basically 2019 is when I launched it actually, the January 1st. Oh, it was almost two years. Oh, got it. Yeah. So totally different model that was working pretty well. We had about 10 clients on that model it was month to month. It was a neat swag store. You give away points and you can kind of transfer those points into like, Hey, you did something great. There was a KPI or a birthday or start date. I'm really fun, but we knew it was one of the things that wasn't a requirement at a company, but I was still trying to build that really fine product market fit where it was a necessity and it's hard to do. And COVID hit in March. And so when that hit this year, Every single person quit except for one. We were still trying to build out that market and find out what that was. And since then, I've met with a really a lot of smart people since then that helped me kind of guide my way to the true product market fit. We now have an awesome platform that as of now, we're going to hit around 200000 by the end of this year. In revenue, I still am the only employee and I'm wearing a billion hats, as my wife knows. And other than that, I am able to really export and pay premium people that I actually physically know, but I pay for you know, fulfillment and some warehouse and I pay people for marketing and to help me out with building new product releases, but allows me to really focus on sales, client relationships and et cetera. So we're doing really well. It's a totally different change, but it's still in the same vein that we are giving away great swag to people who deserve it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is your background is in design and UX. And, and if folks want to check you out on Dribble, you have John Howard is your username. And you actually started an agency called Black Airplane, which is at blackairplane.com that you exited about four or five years ago. And you sold it to someone who could, who could level it up. But I mean, the logos on the homepage of that are Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Home Depot, the Weather Channel. So, I mean, those were, I'm assuming, clients, many clients that you closed, right? So are you the, are you the double threat of an amazing designer and also an enterprise salesperson? Uh, <laughs> that'd be a little braggadocious for me, but I appreciate it. I think, I think uh, <laughs> really, I look at things more from a user experience side, and that's what has given me an ability. I've always wanted to start a business. I think that was my first love. I lost my job at an agency that I'd worked at, and it kind of forced me into, hey, why not start an agency? You love business and you love doing design work. That was the kind of love story there. And because of that, I put all of my effort into making that happen. And that was Black Airplane. I did not do any development there. It was really just design. And we ended up working with some really amazing clients. As you mentioned, some of those 
Coca-Cola being one of the most recognizable here in Atlanta. And because of that, I kind of handed that off at one point because I really wanted to go build a product company, especially working with products all the time and people who are doing products and just keeps you energized. And I handed it off to people much more formidable to me to building an agency and building that up. And they're just doing a tremendous job now. And they've made it now the full gamut of design and development. So it's really grown. It's blown up now. They're about, I think, uh, 18 people now. And when I left, it was two people and we had eight contractors. So a big change for you. That's, that's cool to know when to hand something off and, you know, when to let it kind of, I don't know, take wings and, and give it to someone who perhaps can, can take it to that next level if it's not something you want to do. I'm curious then, so you were running this agency, the description on the homepage is we're a digital product design and development firm in Woodstock, Georgia, and we're on a mission to make sure no digital experience gets left behind. You obviously have the chops, whether your own design skills or through the network of, of you know, contractors or employees that, that you've worked with to build full on digital products, web and mobile, whatever, why start something with a, a physical component? Basically, you know, a swag, not a swag shop, but it's, it's a, you know, you've started a product that allows other brands to launch their own swag campaigns or swag shops versus just going and building a software product, a SaaS or whatever, because you obviously have the, the skill and the experience to do that. Yeah, and I, I've done that before. Um, if I could show my rap sheet of how many things have failed, I could give you a long list. <laughs> so I've done a lot that were, they, they made you know minor successes here and there, but I've learned a lot along the way. I just am really fascinated with physical and kind of marrying digital world to a physical product. And I think I've really been obsessed with that for a long time. And what got me excited about it was at uh, Black Airplane, we didn't slap, and I don't know how the swag looks now there, but it's always been great. We never slapped our our websites and names and what we were about on people's swag. We just gave them really great swag. And every single time people would brag on something we had. I used to joke that, you know, people would wear the black airplane swag out to the park or on a date. They wouldn't rip the sleeves off and cut off their and cut grass with it. You know, it wasn't one of those types of shirts that you hated or hats or whatever. It was always really nice stuff. And I just saw that people got really excited about that. And I just felt there was a need and I, I'm really obsessed with user experience. I want to build this product and platform that married that experience of getting something from an employee or colleague or boss and then receiving that in your hand and physically seeing that, that side of things as well. So got, both of those things got me really excited. Yeah, that, may, that makes sense. And, you know, the companies that I've launched and produced swag for, I always took that same tact. If you look, especially at several of the drip shirts, like I had a professional artist, he, he actually is a comic book artist, to design this, this character called Drippy, who... Um, you know, rest in peace. Drippy was retired after uh, <laughs> after the acquisition. But I remember telling the designer, I want this to be something that could appear in a in a store like an Urban Outfitters or, a, you know, some store that someone might see. Obviously, I want our branding and perhaps a, a logo and maybe a, a tagline somewhere on it. But it's not this big prominent thing. And so. Right. They're not walking around wearing your billboard. Like, that's not the point of it. Exactly. And so. So you decided to launch this. And I think really the first question, I know we want to get into pricing, but I just, I have so many questions because when I look, when I look around the internet, I see this is a solved problem, in my opinion, as an outsider, like printfection, spreadshirt.com, printful.com, swag.com, activeimprints.com, axomo.com. I literally searched for 45 seconds and I found those. So I guess the first question is, are you crazy for entering such a crowded space? And the second question is, how are you different from them? Because I know you're not crazy. <laughs> and I know, you know, from your past, I know you're a, an enterprise salesperson, a designer, and, and a, a gifted business person. And so I know you wouldn't enter this space and, and be at 200K of annual revenue by accident. Right. 
Um, no, those are great questions. I think those are fun to kind of pose. I don't usually get those in sales calls because people are calling me for that reason. They kind of know <laughs> they don't want to deal with it. And I think that's the question. Usually, or originally, I thought, man, people just love giving away swag. Even we had the points system in place. The reason we killed that is we thought that people wanted to give away things. We thought that was the solve. And we wanted to give away great swag. And they wanted a platform to do that and avenue to really reward people. And I think they still do. Just nowadays, it's just overwhelming. And these people that are in people ops is really the general term because there's so many that, that are involved. I started out with more people ops demographic I was trying to reach. But I realized a lot of those people trying to give away things or set up things for themselves, they're just too busy. Like they don't want to do any of that. So even the things like Printful and Printify, I recommend people all the time to that. If their budget doesn't fit us or they want to go do a DIY solution, go set that up. You got to go set up your website, your location. You got to go generate codes and set up your little call to action pages and go print the stuff and talk to vendors and all that. I, can, I go on, on and on with the diatribe because I want that to feel heavy because it is. Even with a Printify or Printful solution, you're having to go set that up for yourself and get that running. The quality's not there. You can't print in multiple locations. You don't get the same quality of shirts and hats. You can't do things that are super custom and unique. So it, it kind of like you're bound by two things. One is the uniqueness of the campaign. And the main one, which is 90% of why we sell, is because it's just too much work to go to ship things out to ship station, to set it all up, to get it all running, the whole full gamut of the campaign. And we, our differentiator now is not based on, hey, we do really great swag. Like, that's a given. I don't even sell that anymore when we're on calls. Right now, it's basically like, you don't have time to do this. I know you love your people. We thought we solved that for you. Now, what we're going to do is take everything off of your hands. All you got to do is get excited about rewarding your people. And I think when you keep people in that excited, ethereal place when they're working at a job, which they're pressured for and pressured to perform, and they want to go home at night and not think about this stuff is... They just want to get excited about their people. And when you kind of remove all the other burden off of them, it frees them up hourly and monetarily to go do a really, really great job at that. And the fact that we also track campaign usage, because again, on Printify and Printful, you can see how many things are sold, but you can't tell a conversion rate of people that did something because of that movement. Uh, we actually track that. And we have extremely high conversion rates on our um, call to action pages of people that willingly got something free and then, then chose to uh, go do another action for your company. So that's kind of how we're different. It really alleviates time. And then we track the actual conversion rates on your swag campaigns. Got it. I want to touch on a few points there. One, you mentioned people ops. For those who haven't heard that term before, it's it's the new term for HR. Human resources is, is becoming less and less of a, of a term that's used. People ops are the folks who are helping you manage your people, typically at a larger organization. The second thing is you mentioned people will get something for free and then take another action for your company. So I think there's two questions there. One, are you right now focused on, let's say, larger companies? And I'm in Minneapolis, so I think of, of Target, Best Buy, General Mills. You know, these are large kind of Fortune 1000, Fortune maybe even 500 companies. I forget who's in the 500 at any given time. But those are large companies, and they may want to give away a bunch of swag for free to their employees. So I guess the first question is, is that more the type of client you'd be looking for versus, I think, producer Xander and I, who work on MicroConf together, we have talked at different times about setting up a MicroConf swag shop where the swag wouldn't be free, but we'd probably sell it at cost. You know, we want people to wear it, but also we can't lose $10,000 giving, giving stuff away for free. So I guess the first question is, those are kind of the two things I think of when I think of a swag shop. And are you focused on one over the other? Yeah, right now they're all giveaway campaigns. That's our that's the primary spot. I talked about revenue earlier. All of that is attributed 
I'd say actually 95% of that right now, the robust launch a few things outside of that, are attributed to giveaway campaigns. We did start with it being internal employees. So it's people, hey, you want to give away things to your employees? That area is just too small, and, and people are already really focused on doing that anyways. And a lot of them realize, well, if I gave away things to people external from here, I'm already doing that through advertisement, setting up ads. My conversion rates are usually 0.1% to, let's just say, 4% on a high print ad. Our campaigns right now that we're tracking are converting. And again, conversion is all subjective, but converting on they got something free, and then they did something with it at around 20%. It's extremely high because you're giving them something free, and then they're going to do another action after that. But that's that's where we're at now. We are also going to start focusing on, which we're launching a new product called Cosmic that's going to focus on the same, hey, we'll do all of this for you. We'll save you all this time, let you focus on your brand, but you can actually sell your products. And we're really working with people that know their brand very well, that know they can make money off the products they sell. Got it. So I want to dig into that action then, because I'm not sure I quite understand when you say they're running ads to give stuff away. So again, to come back to Target or Best Buy, they wouldn't run Facebook ads to say, get a free shirt that says Target on it or free Best Buy swag. So what am I, what am I missing there? For sure. Yeah. They would more run ads to give away something free, like a document or a PDF and, and hope that you convert, give your email address to something, but you would not proactively do anything from there. I'd give you three examples of what we do. So basically if Best Buy were to say, Hey, we want to run that same campaign and spend all of our money on giving away swag it could be small, large, doesn't matter but something really unique and cool that we've had done for Best Buy. We're going to give that away free. What happens is these people get a code. So maybe they attended an online conference. Maybe they went to something physical at a booth at Best Buy, but they did something. And when they get this code, they go put that in on the internet, which is Slingshot. We have a site set up for them. And then after that, we have a page where they can either close out. It's basically a celebration page. It says, hey, your product's on the way. It's got some information there. But what we can do is we can set up a custom call to action that happens on that page. That means We've already got them excited. They're elated for this free thing, right? So we did that first. We didn't give them, we didn't ask them for something before we gave, gave them something free. I um, mean, and then after that, because they're at this high of getting excited about something, we then asked them to do a call to action. And three of those, to give you an example, recently that we've run to make it really quick was one, they wanted somebody to post about beta. This was Illustrator. So Adobe Illustrator had a beta that went out. They wanted people to post and further talk about the beta after they got their free product. So it was just a tweet button. You could basically tweet it, edit it the way you wanted to. We also had one where you could fill in Glassdoor reviews. This was after 60 days of being employed at a certain company. So this company chose to have a call to action where you said, hey, here's your free item. If you'd like to do this, it's always an optional thing as well as the way we pose it. Go to Glassdoor, fill out a review for our company. And the third one wanted to ask two questions after you use their product. So they gave you something free after you've been using their trial, their product. And then this conversion page, again, the call to action page after, again, is optional. They were able to say, here's two questions I can fill in and submit this. It just helps them along. They get free stuff from that. So their conversion rate is really measuring after the excitement, after they got the free item, will they even fill something out or do an action? Fascinating. So this is like a whole ecosystem. This is, this is something I really have not been exposed to because I've seen swag shops for conferences or companies. Like I was back in the day, I was a Microsoft MVP in ASP.net. And it just means that you, you pass some certifications and you, you become an influencer in the community and then they nominate you and you get a bunch of free software. New and swag, get, new swag, you do, new swag. And yeah. they give you, and they give you, I think I got a hundred dollars credit at their company store and I could get, I could get software. I could get other stuff. So I've been exposed there. And then I've obviously been exposed through microconf or drip or the companies I've started to extend our brand and everything. But this is a completely different thing that I have, I have not seen before of, hey, we have trial users, we're going to give them something and then ask them a question, or we're going to ask for Glassdoor reviews, or as you said, Adobe, 
Adobe Illustrator wanting beta users to tweet about it. Right, and that was those have done really fascinatingly well. Which again, we've tested it, and made the the call to action pages nicer and nicer, especially on mobile, to make sure it's something really easy and simple that they want to do. And, and we always negotiate the complication with clients because they want to make, always ask more or do something more, and we have to say no or put it before the form. We want to give ask them this before they get something free. <laughs> we always stop that because again, you want to have genuine responses. So we measure genuine responses to getting something free, and then voluntarily choosing to take an action after that. So it's really like. MailChimp, you can measure mail, right? Why can you not measure swag campaigns the same way? I know it's a little different there, but why can't you do that? So we've kind of been pitching that back and forth to ourselves as building something that's measurable in that same way with swag. I often say when someone's launching a new product, if you're going to compete with existing competition, which most of us these days are, I say, look, you should own a unique position, you should own a traffic channel, or you can be cheap. Those tend to be the three things. And, and then there's always, it's always like, be careful with cheap, because unless you truly have a competitive pricing advantage, then you're just become a commodity and blah, blah, blah. So for you, again, competing against these other things that kind of do, you know, again, on the surface, like it all seems to be the same for me. But as I dig in, I'm like, oh, you actually are differentiated. Are you essentially, you're a full service, high quality, high priced version of of these things and you have this kind of cta aspect the call to action aspect built in is that what makes you different than other options i would look for yeah i think that's that's really the main one it's it's basically it's nice quality swag i mean everything's really high quality there's no effort from you at all it's what we say the easiest swag campaign you'll ever run it truly is like all you have to do is go oh i want to give out code today y'all take care of the rest it's that easy or i want to start a new campaign up using the exact same swag from last time because we want to extend that. You could do the same thing. And then afterwards, we want to measure it. Like it's really that cyclical, like just get me excited about giving away things. And wow, there's this awesome thing where I can measure this as well. And you could show me that. That's where we get them excited more. It's, that's what we've kind of geared going from people ops now to we're really talking to a lot of marketing people. Uh, we started out in people ops and marketing people are getting super excited about that because they have so many ideas that we could force them to drill down, which marketing people love these challenges, drill down into one call to action. If they want to start a different campaign to test that, like A-B testing, you can do that, but really one call to action you can get them to do after coming off this high of getting something free. Well, and that's what I was going to say is the call to action piece almost seems, aside from the full service, which I think is great because it raises your price point and, and makes it easier for people to get onboarded. The call to action piece, is anyone else doing that? tying a post swag call to action where, hey, I signed up, man, I'm going to, I select the shirt or the hat. I love the the hat that I just got from Adobe or that that's going to be now shipped to me. And now, of course, I'm willing to, to tweet it out. It sounds like you have all that built into your system. Is anyone else doing that? Not that we've seen in that way. I have seen other swag stores that they'll use like some kind of plugin that says, hey, can I get some feedback? But it's usually disrupting. Again, I'm user experience centric. Everything's got to be like easy. So Everything they built, they built into our platform is extremely easy. We tie into Google. All these things to really naturally grab all your information. We don't store any information, your payment information, with our call to actions for our cosmic stores that's coming out for the payment stores. And people that want to sell swag, it's super easy. It's all one click. Everything's UX centric. So because of that user experience, I haven't seen anybody really marry them up in the way that we have. They're just people using plugins on WordPress stores that are very heavy or themes or, or whatever it is. Even Printful and Printify, which yes, are competitors in the manufacturing space, we don't even mind if people send us their swag. We have other people that use swag from outside of here because they, they get it from somewhere else or they prefer a different vendor. We don't mind at all. We just take that on. We still charge the fulfillment fee for the package and set them up on the, the call to action as well. 
Got it. And see, that's that's the thing that you've where you've innovated here from what I can see and why I now understand how you're different. You're going after marketing leads or folks who actually want to get to a call to action and they're going to do it through swag because that's the thing. Marketers are used to spending money to get things. They're used to paying writers for SEO. They're used to paying SEO consultants to help with it. They're used to paying for ads to drive people to places. So spending money on marketing to get a tweet or to get a survey answered or to get a glass door review, that's nothing new. You're just providing this whole other thing as a service. Right. Incentivizing stuff they already do, bridging it together. That's really what we're doing. Okay. I feel like I have no, we're 20 minutes in and I have a picture. <laughs> I really need, here's, I really need to understand that because if we started talking about pricing from the top, I would have dug into, why aren't you $99 a month plus X of fulfillment like Printfection or Printful, but We've that's been not there, the so value yeah. you're providing. Exactly. So, so talk me through that then. So, you know, maybe I'm sure you've had many pricing models before now, so maybe don't go through all of them, but you could briefly touch on, Hey, this is how we've evolved and where we are today. And then you and I can kind of bat around what's working, what's not, and, and just figure out if you're on track. Yeah, for sure. We'll kind of talk about that. Um, I'll make it really brief. Back when we started in January 2019, two years ago, that was you bought points, you paid for the points up front, basically. And then whenever something was done, you could get a one-off print. We didn't use Printify or Printful. We used a local vendor, so it was really high-quality swag. But you could buy the points, and you paid a monthly fee of $99 a month. And that was really nice. It was great. Again, all those people went away during covid so our new model, we started out still doing the monthly fee. And every time we were having these conversations with people that are already paying us a ton of money, they're like, why am I paying monthly if I'm going to be doing new campaigns with you all the time? So we ended up charging, instead of doing the monthly fee of $99 or $299 with some of our clients, we ended up saying it's $99 per campaign that we set up, up in front. Just to kind of build that into, that's basically three months of what we used to charge upfront. It's built in and we know they're going to be re-upping because almost every client we're working with now has a new campaign coming out every couple months. So they're, they're re-upping or rebuying into that campaign process. So they're paying that $99 each time they want a new campaign page set up. Okay, which seems inexpensive to me. So tell me where, if you, you know, you're essentially doing enterprise sales with larger companies. I mean, when we talk about Adobe, that lead time to close that deal was not 15 days. I'm sure it was, <laughs> I can assure everyone listening that it was months and months. So if it's 99 bucks to set it up, then where are you making your money? Because I know that your margins are, are pretty good. We talked a little bit, you know, offline in advance. So where do you make your margin then? Yeah, and then to kind of give you a backstory, Adobe, for someone like that that's working with those types of companies, it took me almost 10 hours to get onboarded of me filling out things to make sure I was set up to even allow us to get into their system. Then they have to approve you with this big group of people. So to get into their system, that's really hard to do in the first place with enterprise sales. is extremely hard. But once we're in, the lead times are not very long. So we, we really have been setting up campaigns for a lot of the Adobe. We work with almost every Adobe team now as well. But with the Adobe teams, we can get set up within probably – 10 days, 30 days at max to get paid for that. And we charge everything up front. So we don't wait on, or we wait on invoices to get paid before we will start a campaign. That's one way we don't take on the scary parts. If you're trying to bootstrap, we work that out early on. And then we're making our money based on the margins inside of the campaign itself. That's actually for the swag and then to fulfill that swag. So around our campaign mar profit margin, it's around 35 to 40% off of the actual amount. So basically they'll send us the amount, we'll then go buy the swag, get all that done for them, but they don't have to worry about it. We make about a 35 to 40% margin there. And then it's about 350, or that is 350 right now per package to send those out. But all of that is bundled up into one package price that they pay for to start a campaign. Got it. And so 
I'm imagining this campaign, since they're pre-buying shirts, hats, mugs, whatever, this is thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands, depending on, I mean, they're basically placing an order with you, right? They're saying, well, I want 100 shirts, 100 hats, 100 mugs, or maybe it's 500 of each. And then you say, okay, that's $8,000 or $12,000. Is that the idea? Yeah. And then what we end up doing too, is it's around, it's around like $6,000 spend average, around $5,800 now that we're calculating per campaign that's launched. That doesn't mean we have other ones that are tiny. We, we work with a lot of tiny companies as, as well, um, but those are probably around the 20%, 80-20 roll. But we do work with a lot of small companies as well that run smaller campaigns. The cool thing about that is that we're not changing how much we charge for the swag that they're purchasing. There is an entry, like a minimum entry to even jump into a campaign or a brand new campaign. But the cool thing is we're really pushing people to buy uh, size agnostic items. So like shirts, you're going to have to always re-up and buy new smalls or new mediums or new larges. That's the problem with the swag closet. We do still order those items that people pressure us to get those types of items. They really want it, so they really want the certain item. But really, we're sticking people to things that could be reused for new campaigns over and over again. And maybe bundled with something new. This year, it's going to be the sticker and the hat and this socks or whatever it is. And next year, it's the sock and this. And they can always have a new campaign running with existing swag. So really pulling from that at all times. That would probably exclude MicroConf from doing it because we would be looking for a print-on-demand solution such that we wouldn't want to come up with, let's say, $5,800 to basically populate your, because I assume you have a warehouse and you're doing all the fulfillment, and that would make less sense for us given that we have no idea what the demand is because we're not thinking in terms of campaigns. This isn't as much marketing I want to call to action for us. We truly just would want a swag store to extend our brand and kind of run it at break even. And so, is I mean, that's accurate, right? It's It's not necessarily a fit for the model that you're looking at. Yeah, I think, I mean, think of a micro comp. Everybody that I know that's in that group that I personally know is a DIY person. <laughs> they're setting everything up. They're chaining it all together. There are no-code solutions. Even Slingshot's built on no-code. Almost everything is. We've done some custom code in it, but majority of 90% of Slingshot's built on no-code. And we're doing that, making this much with having a no-code solution in play. And because of that, I think a lot of people want to chain together their own stores and their own brands and put their logo wherever they want. But you're very limited on what you can purchase but sometimes people don't care. Again, if it's brand awareness, like, hey, I know microcomp and I just want to get something from them and I feel amazed by what I get from them, it doesn't really matter. But if it's you choosing, you being Rob, choosing what items you want to go out to these people, then one-off solutions where we started, it was really great. It's just you, you're hoping that people have great brand awareness. You're hoping that they can generate that. With, with people giving away things, there's always a demand. They can always give away or run a new campaign. There's always a need to get a new call to action or return on investment for something they're giving away. So just the, the volume's a lot higher there. So with our new stores that we're selling, we're really focusing on companies that know where they're at with their brand and want to move to a new solution where they can focus more on their brand and worry less about running everything else. How are you finding these new marketing customers? Because it feels to me like this is almost a new, this is something I haven't heard of before, right? Of using swag truly as not just brand awareness, but as a marketing asset that I'm going to give this away in order to get the call to action, the tweet, the survey, the glass door responses. So I can't imagine anyone searching for this. If I'm in marketing at Target, I'm not searching swag to give away so that I can, you know, get someone to tweet about Target. So, and that's always, that's a challenging position for bootstrappers to be in because you often want to fill demand. That's the easiest way to do it, right? Is there's already search demand, uh, there's people seeking it, and I can either run some ads or I can do content or SEO and I can get in the way of that traffic channel. It wouldn't seem that you're able to do that. So how are you finding new customers? And then we'll actually talk about pricing. I promise we'll actually. No, yeah, that's fine. I think, and, and the cool thing is too, when I even I tapped you for pricing, it's like, 
I know where I'm at, but I want to make sure I'm not in the wrong place. And I just, anybody having other opinions and ears as smart as you would just be helpful, which is the reason for that. But aside from that, yeah, like you said, it's not easy. There is a lot of, not training, I would say, but there's a lot of people like that, the eye-opening moment that you had 20 minutes into the call. I have to make that happen usually within five minutes of a call. I always schedule my calls for 15 minutes to force that kind of reaction. And our demo is only 30 seconds to show the actual platform. So when I do that, it's really like, hey, how do I get somebody on the phone? And before that, it's really writing about it a lot, talking about some of our success. I'm not an influencer by any means, but I do work with a lot of enterprise companies who know that, hey, if John's saying something in this area of user experience, I'm going to at least go check it out and trust it. So I have a lot of, I would say not a lot. I have a great group of advocates on my side that have helped me extend my voice and reach because I'm a transparent guy. I'm open about everything I can talk about. I'm always reaching out to someone as I did you. Uh, I didn't do that to get on a, on this call today, but as you said, I reached out just hoping I could get your ear. And I think that's the whole thing is like, I've made a lot of relationships that way. So I'm not really doing traditional marketing and sales right now. We are working on setting that up. Uh, but right now it's very much word of mouth through LinkedIn, talking about different ways that people are looking for things. But no, they're not finding us organically searching through that. But the cool thing too, is everybody that's filling out these call to actions and claiming swag is coming through our domain to do so. So that's adding, I mean, the volume is, is ridiculous. If you look at our stats, our volume is ridiculous. It's just people passing through. So we've had quite a few people come through. Oh, I love this system. Can I talk to you about this um, for their company? So it's a, you have a viral loop there. Right? There's a, yeah, everybody. that's built in. I've been doing that for 10 years and making sure that's in place when we launched. So that's built in. But I don't have to spend a lot on marketing right now to do that. That's interesting. Yeah, because that's, I think, as we talk about pricing, like one thing in the back of my mind that's a little disconcerting is that you're not on subscription and that if you don't have repeat buyers, the fact that you said that Adobe, you're working with most of the departments probably means that you're just getting new projects constantly. That is what's going to make or break this business. Because if you had to find a new Adobe or an, just a new client every month or every week, whatever, to fill your pipeline and keep your revenue, this is a grind. This is a sales business. You know what I mean? And there's no, I mean, the, the beauty of SaaS or of subscription or recurring revenue is that you don't necessarily have to do that constantly and you can build this flywheel. Your flywheel is not going to be subscriptions. It's going to be reorders, in essence, from these larger orgs. And has that been the case so far? Like most of the companies you're working with are coming back and doing, you know, more and more campaigns? Yeah. And e even in Adobe, I, would, they're, I don't know if they're divisions or what they call them internally, but a lot of people don't even know someone else that works there. It's 21,000, I think, people that work there now, um, latest count. And so a lot that I work with have heard that, hey, I heard of Slingshot, it's been used here, but I don't know who you are, and I don't know this other person, but I just heard of it. So a lot of those people, we are relying right now on re-ups, and they are doing that because they're seeing the value there, we're able to show them the statistics. But getting a new organization like that set up, that's monumental. So that's why I've stopped and said, hey, right now we're working on how do you get into new organizations that are that large that have those different groups that can break out and kind of virally tell one another without knowing who started it, tell each other about the product and the service. We are reliant upon that being new campaigns and banking on that right now, honestly, instead of the month to month, which seems to me, when I talk to people too, it seems to be almost like not superfluous, but like, hey, you're charging us month to month, but you're already charging us a huge amount for the campaign price or project. So we've talked about building that in so it covers us for a few months just to create somewhat not predictable revenue, but built-in revenue from that. But um, we've gone away from the month-to-month -month and subscription altogether. Definitely have thought about reintroducing it, but I don't, I don't think I have the right platform to reintroduce that yet. That makes sense when I say it during a sales call. 
And that's where I've been really stagnant on like, should we do this or not? But right now we're killing it, but I don't know how long that lasts without at least some kind of predictability month to month. Right. It doesn't seem to me like the subscription is is going to work given this current marketing camp. I mean, you call them campaigns because they are marketing campaigns in essence. And that's why I was confused when I looked at your homepage. I'm like, why is he calling a swag store a campaign? Because again, I'm coming from the microconf, you know, mindset of we would just want a store that's open year round and, and you could come and buy a shirt at cost. Or maybe if you attend microconf, we send you a coupon code where you get it for free, that kind of thing wouldn't be a campaign. And so that's how you're differentiating, right? As you're talking marketing campaigns. And when I think about how marketing campaigns are thought about, they have a budget and they have an ROI that if, if we pay $5 per tweet or $10 per glass door review or whatever, the number, maybe it's $50, you know, then that's a success, right? If I pay back in the day, if I could pay $100 per new trial at Drip, we were minting money. And so, you know, when I think about writing a check for six grand, as you're saying, you know, average price is 5,800 for a campaign, you're right, the $99 a month seems superfluous. So to get us all on the same page, then you charge this upfront fee to manufacture and, and warehouse the merchandise for this campaign. And then you charge a per package fulfillment charge, right? I think you said it was $3.50. Right. Okay. And is that it? I mean, that's basically your current pricing. If I were to come to you from Target today, you'd be like, all right, how many mugs and other things do you want to print? It's five grand or 10 grand plus this fulfillment fee. Is that kind of summarize where you're at? Yeah, we want it to be one package price. We do break it down. So you'll see like a line item things because people need that to take it back to, you know, their teams because every team works differently, but it is all one package price. End of the day, that's all you're paying. So this is, it's enterprise sales. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like, custom software back in the day, like, or, or even, I guess not even back in the day, you were running Black Airplane, which was custom UX, right? And that's, that's what this feels like. So the advantage you have right now is that you're, no one else is doing it. Is that right? I mean, it's essentially a, gr a green field and you can kind of price it within reason where you want it to be. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, there's somebody that can always come up with something competitive. I'm, I'm kind of not excited about that, but I do look forward to beating them of <laughs> competitive nature uh, in me. But really, it's once they talk to us, they're going to get that same experience. Can that scale always? Like, can it always be scalable? I think it's going to be our next big challenge is can we always scale the experience that the person on the other end, i.e., in this case, you would receive every time you engage with our team? And like that, like you said, it's like very much like Black Airplane. It was an agency world. I'm used to selling to enterprise companies that they invest in. The cool advantage, I think, here, and I know there's other things like Printful and Printify and et cetera, there's a million of them that exist, is you're having to piece those together. But most people are sending swag out into the void and they're paying for that. They just do it. Like it's natural. Oh, I got a startup or I have a company or a new initiative. I'm going to buy swag for the whole company. We're just helping you measure that and make it meaningful. So I think that's really the advantage that every time I talk to someone, it's completely unique. It's like, oh, wait, I'm already doing this, but you're going to help me actually do this, <laughs> like do something with it and make it mean something. And so I think that's what gets people's eyes really wide. And they're not really paying a premium when it comes that we bought the swag. We went to the post office. We got everybody's addresses. And we shipped all this stuff out to them. We have to store it all now in our swag closet. Like even my LinkedIn, I said, I'm saving you from your swag closet and saving your sanity or something like that. It's being cute, but playing on that, it's, it's a lot. People, people don't always use this swag. They don't always do that. So we're kind of helping you get really great stuff that actually means something that people will use that you can measure against for an ROI. 
Got it. And I mean, when I hear your pricing, it seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, the fulfillment cost, I'm used to it. That's what FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon does. I mean, that's what any warehouse is going to charge you. They're going to charge you a monthly storage fee, which it sounds like you bake into the campaign cost. So it's all one line item, or I know that's line items, but it's all one big price. And then, you know, they charge storage and then they charge fulfillment. And then of course, the actual payment to USPS or UPS or FedEx or wherever you're shipping. All that feels like it makes sense to me. I feel like when I think about your pricing, I think your your setup fee is $99. Should that either go away or should that go up? Especially for the first one, like that's where I would be th- I would be thinking there and then I would be thinking about your your margins on your large quotes, you know, or just any quote, right? It's, have you had complaints about, hey, we quoted five grand, that's too much. Can you build an extra 10, 20, 30% margin in there, given that you are not a commodity at this point, that you really are something that is value add, someone would have to chain together all these other services in order in order to do it. You're already charging a premium price. Can you charge a bit more? Those are probably the only two areas that I think of is that setup fee or effectively just raising prices, building more margin into your quotes. Yeah, and I think too, as we move, and I mean, I, I work with great people, ops people. So when I say this, I mean this to my dearest heart. I love working with people that are super, super focused on just loving on people. Like that's just the way I've always done business. Sounds cheesy, but I even used to, that used to be my quote on everything. It's like love on people first, everything else will follow. Is I want to make sure that the people I'm working with are focused entirely on their people, not just the campaign, but in that vein of thought, as we move further away from people ops and focus more in that marginal area of people ops to hey, introduce me to your marketing rep or your marketing team lead or CMO or whatever, or whatever organization that they're going to want more measurability in this. And as we get more into the measurability, which we're doing a great job now, but even as our new, new features are coming out at the end of the year, there's some really exciting things that are not going to be heavy. I don't want this product to ever feel heavy. When they see this, it'll be um, one of those things they can look at and say, you know what, there's absolutely ROI here. It's measurable and we can actually spend more money. And that's when I think I'll be more comfortable even increasing margin there. But right now when it's really kind of the balance is probably about 40, 60, 40 being people ops, 60 marketing reps that we're working with. I want to be careful to not just inundate it with ROI, 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 measurability, when some people just want to give away something for free and just do that because that's the kind of company they are. So even in Adobe, it's about split now. It's half to half the people we're working with. Some, most of them are like, whoa, can you show me the measurements? Oh, it's awesome. I'm just see more numbers. Somebody said the other day, more numbers is is better for me. (laughs) So the more that I can see, it's better. Um, So I think we're kind of in the middle of figuring out what that is. I don't think we'll ever lose people ops, but I want to make sure they're really, really, the experience is top of the line, um, which is why right now that third page is optional. So it's completely optional if you want to measure or not. 90% of our campaigns are measuring right now. Yeah. And that's, as I think about it, it's like you're in a good spot in terms of not being commoditized once someone understands what you do. I think of, you know, you can go up market and do larger campaigns, in which case, as you're doing now, you charge in a big lump sum to make it worthwhile to do the enterprise sales process. And if you go up to 20, 30, $50,000 campaigns, hey, that all plays out. It's more enterprise sales. It doesn't seem to bother you. A lot of people don't like it, but, you know, you, you seem to be good at it and doing it. You are leaving room below you for someone to come in and do a print-on-demand version of this exact same thing at, let's say, a $99 a month price point. And then, obviously, they would have to build a lot of their margin into either that monthly fee or, more likely, the fulfillment and the production itself, right? They'll, they'll charge on the on the T-shirt print or on the mug print. So I don't necessarily think you should 
bother with that. You're a single founder, you're having success. And I think where you are and up is, is going to be amazing. I think if, if someone were to compete with you, they would probably start in that realm, right? Going after the folks who maybe can't afford the six grand or 10 grand up front or, or aren't confident enough in it and almost want a test bed of a print on demand approach to do more one-off things that just, it's a higher unit cost, obviously, but it's a lower upfront fee. Yeah, and I think too, just pretend I was to do that. And if anybody were to listen to this in the future, if I was to do that, be that's what I would start as well. I would come up with, let me piece together a WordPress theme and then put together something on the end that's asked for some information then, or get a plug-in or whatever. And in the front end, do Printful, Printify, whatever those. But even those on-demand prices, they're on-demand for a reason. Not even, let's not even talk about quality, but they're on-demand for a reason. Like you are paying to get something on-demand, but you're still paying a premium when you look at the prices for those items. So they would have to build in a lot of margin to make that work. Everybody that I've worked with, which is, again, a power of negotiation, and I'm not saying I'm the expert of all experts in this area, I'm not, but I've just been, I've made a lot of great relationships over the last, I'm 37 now, but over the last 10, 15 years. And because of that, I've been able to work a, my margins way down. So when, even when I say margins on my profit, these are really larger campaigns that they're running with lots of items. We work with a lot of small companies too that do pay pretty much the exact same amount aside from the fulfillment fees that they would almost exactly if they were to run it externally. It's now, it's going to be, again, toss up depending on who you go to, but they're paying pretty comparably to that unless they go to a vendor like a local print shop and work with them, they're not going to get their margins down. So even if this person were competing or I was competing against myself, the reason I didn't go that route is because there's not really a lot of margin to make there either, unless you're charging some egregious pricing. So I've actually worked with local vendors to get their prices way down so that I can go and compete with the one-off with way better quality, way better options, unlimited items that you can choose from. We work with almost every company and brand out there. And so because of that, it's really, it is competitive, but they're going to struggle as well <laughs> in trying to create margin there. Yeah. And, that, and that's the challenge of dealing with physical goods and especially custom physical goods is that doing one versus a hundred is ridiculously expensive. In fact, with drip, we'd print a hundred t-shirts at a time. And I believe the cost, I went directly to this printer that I had a good relationship with. And it was like high quality print, high quality shirt, seven bucks, eight bucks a piece. And then we had them poly bagged for a dollar and then shipping was nothing. You know, it's just, it was so inexpensive. And then we went and looked at print on demand because I didn't want to you know, have a box of t-shirts in my garage for, you know, for what you're saying. And I believe the print on demand for comparable quality was about $21 or something in that realm. So that that's what you're saying. And that's where if you build a SaaS app, you know, we forget that when you're building software, unit economics really are much less relevant. And and obviously you're in a, you're in a position where that is perhaps a moat, you know, it, it is a competitive advantage given what you've discovered. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today, John. I don't know how helpful it was for you, but it certainly was pretty interesting to me to dig into this world and then to see that connection tie into to marketing calls to action because that's, of course, been my life for 15, 20 years, right? Is Oh, yeah, I love Drip. I think when I talked to you originally, I, I don't even remember what startup I was doing, but I talked to you about four, five, six years. I don't even, I don't remember. You were at Drip, though. We talked through, I think I wrote you on Twitter and then we ended up talking for a while after that on email. It was super nice. You reached out. I was like super surprised because hardly anybody does that. I'm like, I'm going to be that same person now. So whenever somebody reaches out to me, I do my best to be like, I can't do it now, but let's go meet somewhere or talk somewhere or go sit down. Even when I sold my agency, it was like everybody came out of the woodworks that wanted to start an agency and do the same success. I was like, hey, there's not really all these secrets. So today when you're telling me, hey, like I can't, I'm, if this is helpful or not, it is. I think just even being able to talk to someone else and get it out 
to someone else, not an echo chamber of yourself when you're a solo founder is extremely important. So it's been a privilege to even be on here and talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. And you know, as a single founder, I would recommend, I'm sure you've, you've heard me beating this drum for years, but mastermind group, like having two other founders who you talk to twice a month, who are in this essentially with you, you know, even though they're not your spouse, significant other or co-founder, but they're on that journey. It's something I really recommend for, for single founders, having been in that journey and felt the loneliness of that. Oh, it's heavy some days. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I've been there. If folks want to keep up with you on Twitter, you are use slingshot is your company and Howard C. John, J-O-H-N. And of course, use slingshot.com if they want to check out what you're building. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks again to John for coming on the show. After we recorded, he actually slacked me. I believe it was the next day. And he said, kind of random, but I was thinking about our conversation the other day. And I do think a monthly fee could be at play if it adjusts their fulfillment cost. We charge $350 per item currently. And if it allowed them to set up unlimited events, since currently we charge $99 per event. Might be interesting to our higher volume clients. So that's kind of, that's the kind of thinking I was trying to get at with John is, you know, is there a way, is there a benefit that you could give them in exchange to have some kind of monthly fee? So I think that's, that's a great idea. I hope John, I hope you're able to maybe test that out. And certainly you can report back by writing into questions at startupsfortherestofus.com. You can hit me up directly on MicroConf Connect, or maybe we'll follow up with you in six months bring you back on the show and see how things turned out. So thanks again for showing up this week, the last week of 2020. May 2020 soon be in our collective rearview mirrors. Thanks for listening this year. I'll talk to you next week.